But of course, you will see big disruptions, let's say in, in a transport system. Imagine just taxis, Ubers, right? Truck drivers, long distance truck drivers, uh, trains, all this kind of stuff. I can imagine to be in the near future to completely change. On the Experts Connect podcast, we have thought-provoking conversations with top-performing experts on topics that matter to you. With Experts Connect, you'll uncover fascinating facts and gain the necessary skills you'll need to improve all aspects of your life. Can you provide us with examples of how AI is disrupting and transforming major industries? Yeah, yeah I think you see it very broadly. A positive example is in, in any of from our customers. We have a lot of mid-sized customers here and they, um, um, they, they're catching up. And it's not for replacing people, but more like to make it more stable, to free up their persons to do other stuff, which machine could not do. And this is often, often a misconception. I remember that uh, um, we had a talk actually from what's Microsoft, I think, or Google, at, at Philips and we had a lot of medical doctors there, right? And there was a question was about uh, at some point, will they provide algorithms to replace doctors? And they're constantly saying, no, 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 of course not, it's just for aiding. And of course they mostly said it for political reason because you don't want to have the, the doctors lobby against you. But the, the, the truth is in there as well because um, the, the humans are very capable of, of doing a lot of stuff. And we notice that it might, Elon Musk, they build a, uh, almost fully automated uh, um, construction sites, and uh, I think it's about eighty percent automated or something. And they noticed it's not working. The human is so much more versatile in some parts. So had you had to tune it down. So it's more about freeing your employees at some point to to give them tasks where they can shine as a human, right? But of course, you will see big disruptions. Let's say in, in a transport system. Uh, it meant just taxis, Ubers, right? Yeah. truck drivers, long distance truck drivers, uh, trains, all this kind of stuff. I can imagine to be in, in, a, in the near future to, to completely change here, uh, especially when, of course, a taxi might be a bit more difficult, but a train, for example, it's, it's, it's on a track. How long do we need a, a train, uh, how it's called, uh, train chef <laughs> and um, train driver, right? Also trucks, I mean, they already started to have these trucks running through this is long distance road about uh, through the United States or or Australia, where it's just just straight, right? I mean, you can't make made so many mistakes here. So that that's that's a huge thing. Um, but yeah, as I said, medicine, of course. But there is more like a, a plus side because I mean, at least in Germany where I live, we have uh, we need doctors. So if you're a doctor, you don't know <laughs> you're unemployed, just come to Germany. We we definitely need doctors here. We have um, not enough. At least I mean, of course, in Berlin, don't go to Berlin. They they have enough, but at least on the countryside they don't. But the idea is here, of course, you can have algorithms which aid a doctor and help him to to quicker ex assess a, a disease or something or more precise, etc. And just give the benefit of all this. What I said before, the knowledge about previous cases, a new doctor doesn't have that, for example, right? So give him a machine aside to say like, hey, I've seen a million of those cases in my database. So I can tell you most likely it's this disease and now human do your own research, right? So um, so it's, it's more an aid, but again, a lot of things will change. I, I just read a story about uh, call centers. I didn't thought of them actually. But call centers with this 
revolutionizing the, the national language processing here with much better uh, language bots, etc. At some point in a couple next years, most likely we'll not see any humans or much less humans in call centers and, and, and uh, just bots here. So there's a lot of the intellectual property I just mentioned before, right? Uh, I mean, Philips had the tactic at some, do, I'm allowed to say that? Some companies have the tactic to, <laughs> to encircle, to encircle uh, rival companies, for example, right? So you have an idea and, and say like, oh, this is interesting. So guys, look around uh, to look at the topics which, which we can find here. They encircle them with patents. So they have their device, but they actually can't develop the device any further. And as I said beforehand, again, it's just knowledge put together and, and, and searching well and, and this kind of stuff. I mean, algorithms can do that, I think, quite well in the future. So just like intellectual property, all this kind of stuff this might change uh, drastically. Let's see. <laughs> I'm curious as well, but you will see changes in, in, in all industries. One the from sooner or the other one later. Yeah. Interesting. So machines could replace jobs. We're looking, let's see what happens. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a reality we have to face. Yeah. But I mean for maybe uplifting. I personally, okay, that's now, now it's becoming uh, philosophical, but <laughs> I, I, I see it as a chance. Uh, of course, we have kind of a new industrial revolution, right? A lot of people will fall behind, to be honest. And most likely, um, I, I, I'm too old for that. I, I, maybe I will be one of them, but hopefully my kid's not. But the thing is that um, the chance will be that reducing of certain types of labor there might be a chance and there might be the idea of, okay, now the human have a certain quality which a machine cannot have. Yeah. And if we can bring that quality into society to enrich society, and it's not about the amount of time you spend at work, but more about what type of human are you and what can you bring to the society and lift up the society and, and to interchange that because maybe, maybe classic labor can be done more and more by machines but again we have to tackle this because it also can go wrong i mean um it's it's not all it's this will be the ideal version but uh, let's see again here but yeah <laughs> maybe and let's talk a bit about autonomous driving so there is this old lady and young lady dilemma can you talk about it please yeah sure uh that well, yeah because i have th that one that question actually comes up at every dinner party which is not happening at the moment, but um, back in the days. Yeah, and the thing is, so there, there are some misconceptions. And also the first thing I will say, it's, it's called dilemma, right? Yeah. A, a dilemma is a Greek word for a situation where is, there is no positive outcome. And that is a problem. So, so, so you, you ask something where there is no positive outcome. So I cannot answer in a positive way, more or less, right? Mm -hmm. That's first of all. But I have, of course, ways to, to answer positively because... Uh, <laughs> A machine, right, can just, um, I mean, most likely will not come into that situation. Because why does it happen? Huh? As, a, as, a, as a good driver, you, you, you should drive well aware. You should see the situation. You should not drive too fast. You should see that maybe the road is a bit more slippery. So you should even slow, drive slower than it should be, etc. All this kind of stuff. A machine, if the machine is well done, will not do the mistakes of driving a bit too fast, be a bit dozed off, like just lighting your cigarette or watching to your phone, it will not do that. So the chances of the machine coming into that situation where they have suddenly a dilemma and saying there is no positive outcome is much less likely to happen. On the other hand, people always think like, oh yeah, it's 
it's programmed in. So what do you program in? Do you program to, to kill the old lady or the hot young chick? <laughs> I altered that a bit. But, <laughs> but the thing is, it's not, the point is AI is not programmed. Right, so it's not that you do that, but it's learned from experience, the same as we humans do, right? So the Tesla, for example, what do they do? They they just record data and data. Every drive you drive with your Tesla is recorded. I think at the time it's not every every uh, recording is analyzed, only like critical situation, for example. So, but it's learned at least from the past and especially now from actual real life situations, and they're driving much more than we can ever drive. So. We have our set of, of knowledge and experience. And in this situation, you, we as a human, we don't think. We think like, oh, wait a second. Okay, this is a grandma and she has this societal impact and this is a young lady. You will not do that. You will act in that moment. And you will act with a gut feeling. You act with instincts and you will act with knowledge of stuff you've seen before. Maybe you know, your, your gut knows. If I break too hard, I will, my car will turn and I, it might be, I will die. And most likely you will do it the reaction which will save you, not, not the person in front of you. You wanna, don't want to harm yourself. So most likely you will do something. And that's exactly the same thing the algorithm will do. It will do something from previous experience, but most likely it will do it much better. It will just break earlier and make more safer, etc. cetera. Um, so the thing is, if you just look at the statistics, so may, I will share my screen again. Okay, the thing is, this is a Tesla vehicle safety report. So every every quarter they bring out the uh, the accident data, right? And just so so we just have to look at the data. I uh, just looked at it recently. So um, so yeah, exactly. So here you get 3.4 million. You got 4.5, 4.5. I don't know something. It's always around a bit more than four, right? Four million accidents uh, per. Uh, uh, 4 million, sorry, 4 million uh, driven miles uh, per accident. And then you can compare that as um, down here, the, the total amount of, of ex uh, total amount of miles driven by every human in the United States um, per accident, which is much lower, of course, right? And then of course you could say, yeah, uh, I mean, a Tesla driver drives maybe a bit more carefully because his car is more, uh, um, uh, I don't know, more expensive, et cetera. But generally the numbers show you that it's, it's not only like double the amount, it's just like huge, like much greater factor which the machine is already better than a human. And that is a, a thing that we tend to forget, right? Or that what we, we want to achieve. We always think like, okay, the machine, the AI has to be perfect. It's not allowed to make any mistakes. And this is a wrong thinking or the wrong thought process because the gold standard is our human capability. So if an autonomous car can drive as good as us humans, which is definitely can do it already, right? Yeah. Then it's already as good as we humans, right? Of course you can think like, yeah, I personally will never do make an accident, but uh, come on. I mean, you always, nobody said like today I will go to make, uh, I'm going to make an accident, right? That is, that is not happening. So, um, and, and that's the point. So we have to, to come down from the thing like that. Like, it has to be perfect. It just has to be better than us humans. And then we are already on the, a good path and and we can see that with autonomous driving the machine is already a better driver than we are we just have to accept it <laughs> yeah that's maybe for that for that dilemma <laughs> so yeah. do you think that we're gonna drive autonomously soon yeah to be honest it's it, you have a lot of different different uh, variation of people talking about this and, and mm -hmm. just my personal opinion <laughs> don't bet money on this but i would say yes 
And the reason is, first of all, technically we are very close. As I just showed you, we are already the, the, the accident rate is much lower. But I personally think it will, the way it will happen is over um, insurance company, I think. So the insurance company will say, hey, if you drive autonomous, uh, your rate is half or something. So it will go over the pocket. And then a lot of people will decide, yeah, okay, mate, let's do it. And you just, I think you just have to get adapted to the fact of driving autonomous for a while to so the first few times. They're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. And after the 10th drive, you're like, okay, I'm maybe not going to die. And then <laughs> after half a year, you will not recognize it. I, I, I am quite sure. And then you have to, another thing in the background, you have a strong lobby. Um, because I think so, so you have the, the, the car manufacturers, right? Because they want to sell cars. And for them, it's really interesting. If, if such a new system comes on the market, they can say like, it's really unsafe to drive without an autonomous car. So you have to scrape all old cars and have to buy our new ones with the new safety standards, right? So for them, that means they, have to, they will sell a lot of cars, meaning there's a lot of political push uh, and lobby work from, from I don't know, Mercedes-Benz, Daimler, whatever. So the German Cup worldwide. But um, so and most, that's what most likely why we'll see a change and, and sort of the, because first of the money and then, of course, the lobby uh, work with that. And then, of course, at some point, it's difficult to argue saying you have less accidents, you have less people dying. Yeah, but we still don't make it viable. We say like, no, 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 you're not allowed to drive autonomous. It's... It, it will be become more and more difficult at some point to argue against them. Yes, I understand. And one of the things when I think about autonomous driving, I always wonder, do I give the car full control of driving or sometime am I able to drive myself? What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> to I mean, I, we don't know where it's going, but I mean, Tesla already is, uh, I think the leasing cars, they're, they're collecting them already back because they want to create this, this fleet where you can rent a car. And for them, it would be stupid to allow you to drive by yourself, right? Because that would mean the chance of an accident, destroying their property, uh, costs for them, et cetera, is, is higher. So for them, it would be nice to say like, no, 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 nobody's driving anymore. It's just a machine. But I can imagine, of course, in emergency situations, if, if something fails, that you you still have to grab the wheel at some point, yeah. But yeah, I, I personally think it's getting less and less. And to be honest, I'm happy with that because I don't want I don't want to see my kids uh, driving home from a party late at night, uh, a bit drunk, saying oh, I, I can still drive. I'm the best driver ever, and and they're they're dying. I mean, this happened so many times. I I, I met a mother actually where that happened. She was devastated. I mean, the, her life was in in. in yeah, it was kind of over, right? And so I'm, I'm happy. If I hope my sons never have to do any driver's license test because there's no need to, right? That would be great. <laughs> Interesting future, Jan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's see. Yes. So, Jan, you've been working in the embedded systems industry. How do you connect that to AI? Yeah, that's that's interesting point. So, as I said at the beginning, right? So there there has to be made a switch. And actually, uh, in the 2019, uh, Google created the first development board. And, and so they, it's, it's becoming more and more the norm, let's say. More and more people recognize that that's the way to go. And I think that comes because we now understand the, the base artificial intelligence um, way of programming, et cetera, and the problems and how to solve those problems. We, we understand them much better or well, the broad majority understand them better so a couple of years back people think like, okay how, how can i optimize this algorithm 
how can I get better accuracy, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And, and now it's more like, okay, now it's the next step. So what, what, what can we do now? Now it's like, hey, okay, now the challenge is to bring it on an embedded system to make it in, variable for an industry use case, um, have less um, power consumption, have, uh, I don't know, less latencies, don't send everything over the internet. We don't need uh, bandwidth here and there, right? Autonomous systems, which you can just place somewhere and make and make things smart as well, like retrofitting. This is an idea, right? If a partner who's just focusing on retrofitting here, very interesting. So it's it's the next step, let's say. The first step is understand the problem, run that on your desktop. And the next step is, okay, make it small, make it lightweight, make it uh, low power consumption and put it on an industrial device to steer something, right? So and this is this is definitely the connection between um, the two. Yeah. Yeah, and edge technology is trending. So can you tell us a bit about that and how do you use embedded AI on the edge? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so so edge for the, for the listeners who don't know, edge device just means the device at the end where the data is collected. Your mobile phone is an edge device. This old one, <laughs> and um, Sensors can be edge devices if they're directly attached to an embedded system, right? And um, the idea would be that you you calculate your results there where the data is created. Um, let's say a, a good example would be um, yeah, I, I showed that on a later another interview saying like you have a train and you want to see the if the doors are working well. Uh, like do predictive maintenance on the door, right? You could measure the the current in the doors, for example, and see like, oh, there's something changing. Maybe the door is deteriorating. So what you could do is you could put like a sensor with a um, model which just analyzes the environment, with temperature, etc., and 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 the current, etc., to to predict the state of the door, right? And either send that then collectively at some point to main PC on on the on the train, or when they're coming to the depot, just sending like a kilobyte message out there and say like, by the way, the store is is fine or, or this store will break down in X days. And um, this reduces um, the, the need for, for, for bandwidth, right? You don't have to send multi massive amount of data, especially if you're looking for video analysis, right? I mean, if you would have to send a video stream upstream, analyze it and then send something down to steer something, it, it, tremendous cost because you have to to send over some carrier. You have to be connected to the internet at some point. So rural areas might be quite difficult. Um, yeah, and then also like latencies, right? I mean, you have to send something up. You have bottlenecks all the way and, and every and the step of the way. So if you need very fast times, it's good to have everything combined in one system, especially with embedded devices. Um, the, the RAM, the memory is directly connected, uh, shared with a CPU and maybe uh, neural accelerators. So even there, there's no bottleneck between the memory and the computing device. So it can be extremely fast. And the only limiting factor is uh, the amount of, of memory uh, to put your model in, to put all the algorithms in, and of course, the uh, calculation units. And if you have a very complex deep neural network, uh, yeah, that it can happen that it runs super slow. But now with more and more neural processes coming to the markets, uh, yeah, we see uh, a huge change here. And th there's a huge change. Uh, I said that latest on the embedded world. Back in 2019, we had, I don't know, a handful of, of distributors, right? There was Google and some others who, who do embedded devices specifically for AI. Of course, you have NVIDIA, but it's more like GPUs. But let's say like specific 
dedicated hardware for AI was like just a handful. And now we have, I think, over 100 vendors. So this is a, a new market, people fighting about and seeing the potential here. It's not just another buzzword, another one offer. So the people say like, oh, wow, okay, now we, we have a standard. Now let's go to embedded world. Uh, and especially so a company, and I see that mid-sized company is taking that up as well. So there's a huge market to 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 feed, yeah. Interesting. And now we're going to talk about what's happening in terms of AI development on a global yeah. scale. So does Europe have a chance against the US and China when it comes <laughs> to AI development? Um, yes, of course. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's, it's difficult, of course. Um, First of all, it's, it's a kind of the budget, right? Um, if you look at, at, at the money they put into uh, startup companies, I think the United States had, had something like f 15 billion uh, US dollars. They, they push in AI startup companies. China has, I think, the half of that, seven or eight or something. And then Europe has, I think, three or four billion. So that's a steep, steep decline. Um, but the thing is, um, there's just one thing, right? And also the question is always who's inventing and who's using. Um, sounds stupid, but for example, um, just a small difference, right? I, I'm, I'm an electric engineer. I'm not a computer scientist. So um, I'm not inventing the latest news deep learning networks, right? A new architecture. It's like, okay, this is this is the latest news and latest shit, but I just use that. So I'm like a... Um, a worker who's get a hammer and like, okay, this how do you use it? Uh, nailed, I can do that perfectly. So it depends. So so United States, for example, they come up with a lot of novel uh, um, algorithms, etc. But of course, we can adapt and we can just also use them. Maybe always a bit behind, of course. That's that's a point. But um, I see a lot of good use and really stable algorithms also coming from at least Germany. And one of the top translation websites, DeepL, is coming from Cologne in Germany. It's, uh, I love it. And there are other algorithms. If you look at autonomous driving algorithms, for example, we talked about that. If you look at that from for uh, Mercedes-Benz, um, VW, et cetera, they're just doing a great job. Of course, they started much later. So like at the beginning, like, ah, this is all a joke, right? Now they know it's like, oh my goodness, this is not a joke, but they just post a lot of money into it. They, they have top engineers. And uh, so the quality of the algorithms are, is really good. And also actually the research as well. So if you look at research papers, that looks actually a bit, bit different. So I think China is still there, the, the top, uh, um, how to say, publisher. Let's say that the most yeah. papers, period papers coming from China, but the quality is actually uh, much better in Europe. Um, so um, that's a really nice, was a really nice site. I can try to find it, send it to you to link it in the video, where they analyze actually uh, the, the, the amount, but also the quality in detail uh, for each uh, country. And, and here actually Europe would be taking actually second place before United States. So United States is not is publishing less than Europe and quality wise, I'm, I'm not ahead, but at least um, uh, Europe is quality-wise better than China. So it's it's not not all hope is gone. Of course, just by the manpower. I mean, China has millions of en engineers, right? I mean, yes. And and United States is a different mindset. They're like explorers from from the their core, right? So they, it's, it's easy for them to start up. Yes, one after another, fail. Doesn't matter, next one. And Europe, you're like more like, whoa, slow. Let's see what's happening. Hmm, is it good? Test it again. Test it. So we're a bit slower, yes. But that means also the end product, if 
Europe brings something to the market, let's say Germany brings something to the market, it's 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 good. So I don't see uh, the hope completely gone. <laughs> I think it's it's an equal race. Yeah, yeah, let's see what happens. And can you tell me what are the challenges of AI in this era? Um, yeah, so uh, I would say um, so one big thing would be uh, natural language processing. So I talked about that before. A lot of research is going in there, but it's it's very very difficult because you have a, a combination of just a dictionary words, but then also grammar on sentence structure, and um, very very complex, very um, complex topic to 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 get the yeah to to, to get uh, how to say it. Um, Put that in right order to, to get the context of it all, right? To get it together, to get a context of a, a sentence, the meaning of a sentence. That will be one of the challenging things. And here we see actually that uh, quantum computing might play a huge role. So they started to use quantum computing for actually natural language processing, or they mix that up, and they're seeing very good results here. So I'm I'm looking forward to see some quantum computing working on natural language processing and other problems. Uh, on the way. I mean, another problem was uh, for the insiders uh, was the the underrepresentation problem. Google just found out that that the models um, work in training, but they're working not sometimes not that well in in the real in the real world, right? And we have seen those. I mean, they could go in detail here, but may, maybe not too. But the thing is, this is just a problem. And I, I remember that when the message first came out, it was like, oh my goodness, hold, what's what's happening? It's like artificial intelligence is, is not working, right? We just make it failures. It's too completely unstable. But I've seen the same thing a couple of years back when it was uh, the adversarial hacks, meaning yeah. that you, you want to identify a face, right? And then you put a pattern somewhere which says, ah, this is a dog. And instead of a face, I would say, ah, it's a dog. Even it's like, what? And this is, a, this is called adversarial hack. And I remember back in the day, people said like, oh, it's over. You can't use AI if AI is so easily tricked. No chance. But what that meant is actually at that point, is people said, okay, it's, it's, it's not flawless. So we have to further work on that. So they made it more stable. They came up with solutions to, to uh, against adversarials, not completely, but it, it, they're working on that. So the same thing will happen now with the underrepresentation. So people say, like, okay, it's not perfect. And they will come, they, I would just say, <laughs> the Google guys, hopefully, will come up with a solution. And we will, of course, help uh, on that topic as well. But um, yeah, so it will just make it more robust. So even if there's always a challenge, always negative news about AI, that I always see that as a as a positive sign for more stable and long-lasting AI solution. Yeah. And should there be higher standards with respect to transparency, privacy, fairness, and accountability with respect to the public use of AI? Yeah, um, yeah, there is. Um, I mean, maybe you heard it. Um, there, there was actually uh, Google. They they fired actually their top um, um, the top AI ethic um, uh, persons, right? And there was a controversy about that because um, there was actually about the the natural language processing again. I'm talking a lot about that, but not even being in the field that much. But um, the idea here was there was several points. Uh, first of all, think we have what we have to think about is a carbon footprint. So um, they figured out that, or they, they pointed out that training huge neural networks, especially in natural language processing, takes a lot of energy. 
and and when I say a lot, it's a lot. Again, here I'll send you a link. Um, it's 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 multiple times of what you you have like for an, for an round trip with a with a airplane in the United States. Um, and that's just for one time training from scratch and doing a research phase. You have to train it multiple times. So huge carbon footprint. But also, I mean. Um, the just the amount of money that goes in there right so it's it's of course not equal right i mean democratization of of um of the ai was the first step actually what brought us to today so the good thing is there was azure there's aws so meaning in the, the days before we were not be able to to really make any or train a model really significantly because we just didn't have the computation power you would have to buy to buy like for ten thousand dollars. You had to buy a, a workstation or something. So you wouldn't probably do that, right? Nowadays we have AWS, we have Azure. We just rent for a couple of hours a high-powered machine. So this was a democratization of the whole process. But the next step here is that, like the real sophisticated models, right? For the next the next era of AI, they need a lot of money. I think. Uh, let's say I think the the the, trans, the latest transformer model was like deep learning, uh, searching, heuristic. I think it was about three or four million euros. I might be off here a bit, but, but <clears throat> please check that. But um, a huge amount of money just to train it, right? And so, of course, democratization, who's participating here, right? Who, who's owning those algorithms? And of course, it's the big tech companies, right? It's Microsoft, it's Google, it's Amazon, it's, it's Facebook. And to be honest, and, and that was also the point here, right? Uh, from, from this uh, ethic researchers. Um, and there were another point, of course, especially with also this natural language processing things, right? A huge amount of data has to be gathered. And the problem is you cannot, it's so much data, you cannot just analyze it. Um, you have to go for good faith. And it's like, all right, it should be, it should be fine, right? And um, what they said, it's, especially for natural language processing, it was a bit more finer points were that yeah, you have to gather the data from the internet, but on the internet, we tend to speak differently. Uh, we, we, we are much more, rough right I mean, just racist we say things we, you would never say to somebody in the face right but people write that and that will be then the standard to train on in a natural language processing network so meaning yeah, the whole network sees like a racist comment that's just yeah this is normal that's how we speak right but also and of course bias to united states and and and, and england like or for english-speaking countries because let's say i don't know portugal or so it's maybe not that represented with just written text as the united states so also here, bias towards the country, bias towards uh, also make, making the language blend, right? That was another point that if, if, if you just use a, one language and make a huge models, training out the language with, with representing us in Google and, and elsewhere. So suddenly language becomes um, not versatile anymore. And there were some other issues here, but the, the point is, of course, um, people think of that and people know that problem and there are many AI principles there, Beijing principle, there, uh, Montreal, G20, OECD, um, I see more AI principles. So a lot of, I mean, probably Germany has, of course, their own principles. I think the, uh, probably my own city has a AI principles. I don't know. So everybody comes up with the principles. I think we have to do something about this. And it's, it's mostly about, okay, Global regulation, right? Who, who is? We, we can't do this on our own. We we have to do it in a in a in a bigger picture, and we have to have transparency. See how is the algorithm actually working? Um, is it working? Uh, it's like the, okay, well, let's say what happens 
if something goes wrong, right? You have to figure out where does something go wrong? Can we uh, recreate this error? Can we fix this error? So it's not just like the classic black box a lot of people talk about, which is actually mostly not the case. Anyhow, but you have to fix it. And then also who is responsible? That's also a question because it's not the algorithm. The algorithm is just an algorithm. You can say, ah, it's a, it's a machine, sorry. No, it's a human. Human programmed that. So, and the, the problem is just like also a tip for the uh, the guys who who are in, in development. Um, if you code something, you are responsible for what is happening. So if your boss tells you, oh, I want my algorithm to be biased against, I don't know, uh, women or something. Um, if you do that because they go, oh, I'm pressured by my boss, you are responsible. It's not your boss. I and mean, if you get that as a written email, maybe in court, you can, I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> don't. But um, just to say this, you are responsible, right? So and the same thing is going with AI. So who's responsible? So if you write, if you write your code with the best intentions and at the time, even if it's change of the time and maybe in a year people know it's like, oh my goodness, that was the worst way to program. But at that time you didn't know better, you're fine. But still you have to adhere to the standard of your time and, and try the best you can, right? Um, and uh, what's up? What do you democratization, etc. Yeah, but the, the main key point is also ban the AI arms race. Maybe that is the um, the biggest thing, which which all of those AI principles have in common, saying we don't want to have an AI arms race. But yeah, the reality. I mean, look to Hong Kong. Look to either Syria. Um, they are they are autonomous weapons already. Um, I don't know. It's it's a box of Pandora. It's really hard to get that closed. And um, I know there's a lot of good efforts and a lot of good of in intentions. But um, yeah, I hope I hope they come through. And uh, yeah, I hope it will not end catastrophically. So the idea is just just yeah, to the listeners, get on the train and help to push them in the right direction. <laughs> that would be exactly. That's all we can do. And. Yeah. Final question, Jan. What are your predictions on how AI will change the world in 2050? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Again, I have to repeat myself from um, or from the Embedded Worlds uh, panel because a similar question was asked. And the thing is that uh, I can't answer that because we, we, uh, it's, we humans tend to think in... in linear terms, right? You think, okay, I know what happened yesterday or I know what happened a month ago, um, but it's, 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 it's not a linear um, development, right? So actually, if you look at the development, as you saw on the timeline before, it's something, it's maybe not exponential, but at least some uh, non-linear function at least, right? So um, it's really difficult to say. What I know is, yes, as I said, I think more general AI will be there. Um, very important, like understanding context, um, understanding context in time, in spatial domain, to to put like a queer thing, things. Oh, this is a table, and there is something on the table, so it had maybe is a reason why it's on the table, right? And this kind of stuff. But also direction in time and and and, and understanding here the context, and yeah, of course, and then com combining that to get a more general AI. Of course, we were all working forward to the to the service roboter. I mean, who doesn't want to have one, right? But the point is, I don't want to say never because a lot of people say, "Will will that happen? Will the AI overturn the the human race or something?" And the point is, and this is actually from the the Asilomar AI principle. They actually state that, and they say, uh, so, um, "Prepare 
for everything, for prepare for the for all possibilities. So it would be not good to say, I, I don't know, th this will never happen. So we don't have to think about this. Think about worst case, prepare for the worst case, and hopefully it's not it's not happening, right? So I will not say, ah, the AI will never be more intelligent than humans. Uh, I will say like, I don't know, just think of that. Think what what we what, what, how would the world look like if the AI would took over? So and how can we think of alternatives, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, exactly. So so don't don't push it aside. Think think open. Think broadly. Yeah, and uh, just be part of the community. Maybe that's a good final sentence. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Think open, think broadly, and be a part of the community. Thank you so much for sharing, Jan. I'm sure our audience has learned a lot about artificial intelligence, machine learning, classic machine learning, and deep learning. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in on Experts Connect. Please head on over to teachsomebody.com and give us an applause. You may share your comments and ask your questions in the comment section. Please subscribe to us on YouTube as well as follow us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at Kadian Davis Owusu. Have a lovely rest of the week. Bye.